Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello! I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, the show where we help you through the midlife, the menopause, motherhood, and everything in between. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a really big and important issue, how to cope with ageing parents. Today, we have Jane Caldwell from Age UK, who supported her own mother, Olivia, through Alzheimer's. And she's going to be answering a lot of the questions you've sent and a lot that Trish and I have to ask as well. We're also going to be discussing the moment your kids utter the sentence every parent is going to encounter at some point. Can we get a dog? Can we get a dog? Can, Can we, we get, get a, dog? a dog? Endless nagging about that one. So how it changes the fine family dynamic if you do bring a four-legged furry friend into your life? Because we've both got dogs and we yes. love them. I have Pixel the Welsh Terrier, who's three. Yeah, and I've got Bridie the Black Labrador, who's two and a half. We love her. First, though, uh, we're going to be talking about fashion, personal style, and whether or not now it might change as, as we get older. So, Lorraine, how would you describe your style? Well, my style's been heavily influenced by my actual job, which is actual fashion. So mm. I have a kind of constant set of advice around me from mm. the lovely stylists and fashion editors that I've got. So it does kind of influence how you dress when you work in fashion. But also as you get older, you're influenced by what fits, what you're comfortable, comfortable. with. Comfortable, comfortable waistbands. Um, but also I've been a lot braver. So for mm. years I only wore black because um, mm. it was good to have a uniform and to be smart and it made an impact mm. in the room. Whereas now I'm, I wear a lot more colour. Well, you're wearing a very, um, very lovely, colourful. Um, yes. Is that navy, red, white? Everything. It's got spots, got flowers. Got Gorgeous nice dress. Where's lovely. that from? Dresses are very good. This is Rixo. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing a dress by a small brand called mm-hmm. Rixo. I do look at things like Who, What, Where, which is a great yes. website. Yep. Um, and you can get a sense of how women dress street style there, and that can influence you. I think your clothes say a lot about you. They tell your story. So don't undervalue that or feel that it is in some way shallow to be spending any time thinking about what you're wearing and it, and it's a particularly female thing. It's not. They tell your story every mm. day. I think probably when you get older, you should take stock. You should mm-hmm. open the wardrobe and think, I should have great joy every morning when I get dressed. This should not be stressful for me. And you, so pick the things you really like. And always, always, particularly now, I think it's very pertinent Putting things together is the is the well, key. It's, it's isn't a bit it? of an art form, and I think we've both yes. been lucky to work with fashion stylists who advice, do that. It's a lot of advice. It is a little bit more of a minefield. How do you feel, Trish, about the elasticated waist? <laughs> Um, well, I haven't quite got to the elasticated waist, but I'm definitely... Nigella wears one. She Does she? Yeah, she wrote does about she want, it Oh, she us. wrote about it, so she doesn't mind everybody knowing about it. I think it's... Um, you, you do have to think about when you, you know, you do get a bit wide around the middle. Um, and I just hate stuff touching my middle. So I'm going oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say something here. I like to wear a vest because I hate oh the goodness. feel of, like, denim or fabric. Like it's very scout. nice. A nice, not, not a kind of old granny vest. Very nice. nice. Sort of silk, silky handrail vest. But I just, it, it, I've noticed that I just feel really uncomfortable around the middle. And and the thing about jeans, I can't bear it when, you know, if, you, if they're tight on the legs and then you, there's a gap around the waist or they're tight on the waist. Yeah. 
you need to buy high, very high-waisted Well, ones. I like a trouser jean, and I think that's a really... Have that you seen trousers? Well, they look like a pair of nice trousers rather than... I think that's than, ridiculous. Oh, no, it's quite cool. Is it? I think it's a bit... Phoebe Ooh. Philo, maybe? Do you? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's quite stylish. Well, I hope it is, because I've got... <laughs> that's what I wear. I always recommend something that people just roll their eyes when, when I say I'm it. I'm about so, to roll my eyes. Yeah, you're about to roll your eyes. So school, <laughs> some of the mums I meet at school will say, oh, God, I don't know what to buy. I've got to get this or I've got to get that. And I will say, well, what? put yourself a little mood board. Oh, yes. Oh, eye rolling. Yes. Eye rolling. <laughs> just get a little mood board of women... You think I haven't got time to do them. Yes, you have. Lord. Yes, you have. Lord. You just could easy do it on your phone. Drag yeah. and drop. It's really quick. Women, you think dress really well. Yeah. That you like their look. You're about the same height. You're about the same shape. Mm. And put it together, you get a sense of sort of what you like and what you don't like. And I think that's a very practical way of doing it. One of my fashion directors in a former life uh, described my look as well put together, well pulled together, which I thought, well, that's quite uncomfortable. I think she's trying to say, look, you're not fashionable, but you you, you, know, <laughs> you, do, you make a good effort. And actually, you're, you're not embarrassing me as my editor. <laughs> so it's the idea that you've got, you know, you've got nice clothes that, uh, you know, not a top to it's, the, it's the handbag and the shoes and the bit of, bit of nice jewellery, I think. That, and good that hair. Go with it. Good hair, good, good hair. hair. Good hair, good nail. Now it's time to talk to our special guest, Jane Caldwell, is the CEO of Age UK East London. Welcome, Jane. Thank you very much. We've had so many messages, Jane, from women um, since the launch of this podcast asking for advice on coping with ageing parents as a very specific topic. And I'm just going to read one of them, actually, um, which says, My mother came to live with us five years ago. She is almost 89 years old and has Parkinson's disease. It's been a massive job caring for mum and arranging everything from healthcare outings, exercise, incontinence, dentures, daycare centre. At the beginning, I was perimenopausal. My relationship with my mum has changed and I I'm the carer, and I feel sad when I look at her now as she was such a strong, dynamic woman. Now she is so frail and not able to converse like she used to. And I think that's very typical of the experience that yes. a lot of women, midlife women, are experienced. And I know you mm. yourself, your your mother was diagnosed with mm-hmm. Alzheimer's when you were, when you were in your 40s. Yep. Um, and did you have any idea what kind of journey you were about to go on with her? No. Um, and I think... Every every older person's journey is different and every sibling and uh, his journey is going to be different as well. Um, so I, I, remember, I remember the first time my mother was diagnosed, it, diagnosed it, there was a, a lot of humour around it. Um, How old were you then? I think I was in my late 40s. So no, you, I tell a lie, I was in my, was in my mid-40s. Yeah. Um, and also actually just going into menopause. Yeah. Um, so a lot of changes going on for myself um, and then having to think about what it really meant. I don't think at the beginning of that journey you can ever know what it what it's going to... But looking back, do you think there are things that you've learnt from it that you can share with our... With particularly this lady who wrote in, What what? how would you have done it differently? What have you learnt? So that's an interesting point. I don't... I don't I think hindsight is a great thing. So I work in this area and yes. I have felt a sort of slightly extra pressure to get things right, yes. <laughs> to do the right thing every time there's a new stage of the illness or you have to rethink what plans yeah. you have in place. Um you, you always get it you always feel like you're getting it wrong. Um you always feel very guilty. 
you all, you know, there's a lot sort of, of got fear. To live with those feelings, and so yeah. understand that that's coming at you, and understand that there is no perfect way to do this. There's no, you know, everyone's an individual, and the decisions you make, you think are the right ones, and then you look back and you think, mm, actually. In whose interest was I making that decision? Was that a decision? So that's from... a good question to ask yourself, I guess, when yeah. you're going through it. Yeah, and, and you know, we're all human. Um, and also I have a daughter who had just started a job. Um, so there were... Perfect and she was storm of home, emotions. So there yes. was a lot of different... Um, uh, and, and, and two brothers and a sister as well who were also involved quite closely involved with um, thinking about how to support my mother. Um, and my mum, you know, my mum is a, was a, is a, was a, an old hippie, you know. She was a you know, Glastonbury, Greenham Common, and yet the things that we were offered were, you know, activities in a day centre where they'd be paying Vera Lynn and, mm. oh, that you know... Oh, that would me over the edge. It, it, was, yeah. it, was quite like a, it was quite a challenge, and there is that challenge of as you see your parent lose lose the essence of who you think they are and how to persuade other people that she's... You know, she she's still a person, um, as you still remember her. Are there are there websites? Are there books? Are there things that you could turn to if you were in this period of your life at the moment as a menopausal, perimenopausal woman? So there are different areas of support. So some support is I would I would say arm yourself with the factual information as soon as you can. From your um, doctor, or from, yeah, from yeah. the doctor. So there are also. Can you go to the doctor with your? parent with your mum and you say can. talk to me as well about it you you, you can with your with your mother's permission right. okay. um so there there's a whole series of things that you can do so one of them is a lasting power of attorney which you right. the earlier you can do that the better and there are two types of lasting power of attorney one is financial and the other is for your health um i would highly recommend doing those as soon with as with a solicitor you you can do them online. Um, oh right, interesting. It, there's a cost, um, but worth doing. It's definitely worth doing. The uh, I mean, do do it for yourself as well as for okay. other other people. Think, yes. start thinking about all of these things earlier. I mean, it is a classic thing. We're all, if we're lucky, older people in waiting. Did you, and do you we think we are about, all going to yeah. die? Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> so I did know. you? Did it make you think about your own mortality? I spend a lot of time thinking about my own mortality in midlife because I do the what they call the death maths on this, <laughs> on how many summers, how many Christmases, that kind of thing. Did it make you think about your own mortality? Completely, absolutely. Um, but you've got to stay perky for your children, <laughs> haven't you? you yes, um, and then interestingly, trying to have conversations with your children about when you die, then uh, it, it just becomes very challenging because, of course, as soon as you start talking yes. about this, it's as though you're saying, "I am going to die," or uh, "I want to." You know, it, yes. it's very yeah. a very fearful subject. There was no ceiling between myself and death, and that's really what it felt like. It felt like you suddenly become unmoored, that you're next, that all mm. of those things, and the. Uh, your end of life becomes tangible to you in a way that it, yes. it, it, yeah. it wasn't before. Um, so you've got all that to kind mm. of deal with. You have to be very respectful, don't you, of your parents' wishes because I'm going through this myself at the moment with my um, father who's 80, who's amazing, 
um, but does not want to go to hospital (laughs) and does not want to interfere. He still and he still thinks he's 18. Like we all still think we're 18. But you have to let them let older people make their own decisions, don't you? Even if they're the silliest decisions of all, aren't they? Yeah. What what is it you say? Let them be stupid if they want to be stupid. Yeah, Yeah. it's I'm you know, if I look back at my life many, many times in my life, have I made stupid decisions (laughs) um, and it doesn't stop uh, when you get older. Um, and it's really frustrating. I mean, I've got a friend who constantly gets furious at his dad because his dad insists on going up a ladder to the attic. And <laughs> every time he goes up there, he has an accident. And and it's like, well, you know, your your father has cognitive ability. He perfectly understands the risks. It's up to him. <laughs> you can't... Yeah, you're not his dad. So no. We, we, we just have to not be frustrated by it. I mean, yeah. it's difficult, but we have to, as you say, if you think of them as, a, you know, the, it's their decision, it's their choice, and y- you can't then feel guilty and frustrated and worried about it. No, and an awful lot of time and effort is spent on on sort of discussing, uh, you know, an, a, your, your parents' inability to make the decisions you want them to make, mm-hmm. um, you know, amongst us as well, um, amongst mm-hmm. my brothers and sisters. We endlessly be talking about... Well, I don't think that's a very good idea. And Dardalod, and actually, they, whilst they have capacity yeah. to make those decisions, they've got every right to make incredibly stupid decisions, just like the rest of us do on and, a daily and, basis. And talking about siblings, I, I imagine it can be a real point of contention because if mm. um, you know, if one person is, you know, if somebody's moved away from home and one sibling is has got mm. the main amount of care, or you disagree on approaches, what kind of advice would you give to people about how you deal with a situation like this in within the general family dynamic? Yeah, so it, it's it's it can be very challenging, and of course, it's always at the moment you have to make a decision that you are most overwhelmed by how sad as that as your reader said how angry the sense of grief and the sense of loss and the sense of responsibility it it, it's always at those moments when you have to make those key decisions and that's very often a point where everybody's different reactions to the experience of seeing their parent disappear and then pass away it's a it's a really profound experience and I suppose in my in my um, situation I had one brother who was very very adamant um, that uh, my mother needed to go into a home and that was the right thing to do because that's where she would get the care and we were all being incredibly uh, irresponsible and uh, that's just the way it should happen and then on the other side of the spectrum my other brother who was we know how you know we've got to keep her at home and you're you're being um uh, very uh, unsympathetic and you know the main thing with my mother is about preserving her dignity and keeping as much independence as possible well i think it's also understanding where my brother's rigidity came from which is a fear really of uh, not being uh, of firstly just the whole tragedy of uh, of that Maybe of Alzheimer's and not being able to care for her properly yeah, yeah. of just and insecurity yeah. and and uh, and I think uh, you know uh, um, in hindsight we made the decision to um, support my mother into a care home too late we kept her at home too long 
And that's a very individual thing. Everyone will yeah. be different. Is there a better way to talk about? Because I have it with my, my dad as well. The going into the home conversation mm. is just such a dark and terrible. I feel like as a society, we've got ourselves into this dreadful trap of it being the it meaning the end. And actually, is there a better way of discussing going into a different phrase? You know, going on holiday, go, I don't know. It just feels like we've made it this terrible thing and... This is the, the beginning w- the of the waiting end. room for the waiting room. Inevitable. And actually yep. going into a home could be a, an amazing thing if you get the right home and the right people and the right care. How I, do we change that? So that's that's a really difficult question. Yeah. Um, because for the majority of people, um, going into a home is is a, I'm afraid to say a little bit like going into prison. That you yes. <laughs> you know, you you you're at home, you have all your choices when you get up, what you eat what you watch on television, what books you read, what clothes you're wearing, etc. And for a lot of people, the experience of going into a home is that then suddenly you've all got to get up at a certain time. You have to eat whatever they put in front of you. You're wheelchaired in front of the television. It it can be a very depressing. So I think the answer to that question is the whole care system needs to change. And there are some very interesting developments, different supported environments, uh, That's what it is, isn't it? A different it supported where, environment. Where can people find out about that? Do you is there information on Age UK website? Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, certainly around all of the legal and the practical mm-hmm. information. If you go onto the Age UK website, you will find all the practical information. And really, I I cannot recommend enough. Find out about all your legal rights now. Mm-hmm. Um, check. Uh, your, you know, things like how, how much savings your your parent has, because all of that will come into play mm-hmm. further down the line when you have uh, care costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, also, I would be looking at things like the continuing health care system, mm-hmm. which is the next step of the decision you might have to make as a sibling, which is. Uh, uh, that if so for example in my mother's case she was in a care home and a care home has care workers it doesn't have clinical staff it doesn't have nurses it doesn't so have doctors support work rather than a medical yeah exactly and there comes a point where their need may be too great for that home and You've they got have to, to go think into three a nursing to four home. stages ahead haven't yeah, you so it's just a good idea to understand that whole journey so that you're prepared at each stage so should you be sitting down with your parents while they're compass mentors yep. and having the kind of, we're going to have the chat about when you get older, what do you want, when do you want it, where are your savings, what would you like to happen, which I haven't had and I feel it probably should have had. But if you don't have that conversation, then you're not going to be aware of what your parents might choose. And yes. it then comes too late. That's the yeah. problem. And, and they're, they're in a place where they probably can't tell you totally because they're not quite themselves. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, I think it's also if you think about yourself, you know, about what kind of conversations you'd like to have about about your own yes. end of life. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it brings it sharply into focus how challenging that is, but how necessary it is. You know, none of us want to die in pain. None of us, you no. know, particularly want to die in hospital. The majority of us want to want to die at home yet most of us end up dying in hospital for example so there's lots of mm. it's 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 really tough i mean my mum unfortunately passed away from breast cancer she was only 61 so it's a different That's experience a, to you yeah. but equally it was a, a very you know it was a, a sort of long-term illness and that was a very difficult thing to um to 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 go through and to come to terms with but she was very um 
she wanted to have a good death and she was very clear about she wanted to be at home. Um, she we sort of Catholics. She wanted, you know, faith to her was a really important part of her sort of letting go. And, yeah. you know, so although it was we were it was awful for all of us, but she actually was where she wanted to be. She felt comfortable. She had everybody she loved around her. And I think we we need to kind of get our heads around this idea of that there is a way to have a, a good death, isn't yeah. there? There is. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this horrific thing that we shy away from, but it's something we just need to start thinking about and preparing ourselves for ahead of... Yeah, ahead I wonder where in the world they do it differently. I'm probably mm. the Netherlands, I think, or where Scandinavia. they have... Scandinavia. <laughs> Scandinavia. <laughs> Let's go to Scandinavia. Yeah, what do you, from your point of view at work, where, where do they do death better, a happier more humorously with with more care so um so some of it is about the the cultural way we view older people yes. so i think the yeah. the challenge for for us in britain is that is that we very much view uh, old age as a weakness or an illness problem. or a problem um and so it's you know if you look at cultures where they have language like elders where they have a whole, uh, you know, in Southeast Asia, for example, you know, it's a whole different way of, of, it's more of, treasured and prized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. More valuable to society. More valuable, yeah. and yeah. you know, it never ceases to amaze me that people get frustrated with older people when they're waiting for them in a queue, and all that they take longer it's to get very on the unkind. bus. Yeah, it's really unkind, yeah. and it's as if we somehow, when we get older, can avoid being like that because yeah. we're all going to yes. lose some of our abilities. Yeah, well, but yes, yeah, inevitably. that's inevitable. It's just inevitable. It? Are there things that you did with your mum that you would advise? I mean, did you take little pictures? Do you, a friend of mine said to me, yes. oh, you should sit down and have a chat with your dad and record it and ask yes. him about he was in the police and all the things he did yes. and just sit and have a chat with him, go through the whole... I mean, I, I, I might, but I might cry all the way through that, so <laughs> that might be a different... Are there little things like that that are poignant and lovely that we could do? Yes, I mean... Um... There'll be a lot of times when you'll be crying. Um, I think that's fine. That's fine. So we we again we did things very late. I mm. would say so. In fact, my um, my brother and I did a um, photo album of my mother's life um, when she went into a care home because we were aware that she was going into a home where nobody knew her. People didn't know. Oh, her so they history. had a reference of who she was. Oh, that's yeah. lovely. Idea. So yeah. uh, uh, so it li literally took us a long. Yeah, you know, it took us hours um, because we uh, a lot of the photographs we we didn't know who they were of and. You know, and that's another thing I'd recommend is go through your family photographs when your parents are able to tell you who everyone is in the photograph. Yeah, good point. Because yeah. we did it way too late. Um, and I would say it's quite common to feel like you've done everything too late as well. So yes. things like... Um, uh, so so that that was one of the best things I think we did for, um, for my mother, which was to give her some personality um, and to bring that into that care home mm. so that the, the care workers could look through it when they were sitting with her. and So she was a, a real human and yeah. they could understand her journey. Yeah, and so there's things like um, thinking about favourite music and you think you know your parents' favourite music, but, yeah. but actually... You don't, do you? How can you? You don't, oh. Unless um, you ask them, unless you ask yeah. them. Yeah. Unless you actually ask mm -hmm. them. Um, so put a playlist together. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Um, 
And you don't you don't have to be so specific as to say what would you like played at your funeral, but effectively, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trish, yeah. what would you like played at your funeral? Is it Dancing Queen? Uh, no, I've got my funeral songs, but have I'm not going to share those. Yeah, oh. we did that one night when we were a bit drunk with a bunch of friends. Did you? I don't quite know why. Your funeral but it was songs. actually quite jolly. The whole yeah, thing. It is a good. Yeah. It's a very good. Yeah, it's good. Like Where brilliant. have you written that so that we can all yes, find it? Yes. yes. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> you won't need them anytime soon. Yeah. Um, can but, I ask you about your relationship with your mother and you know I, I didn't have this experience with my mother but obviously there comes a, a point in dementia and Alzheimer's where your relationship must change and did you were you kind of conscious of the point where dare I say did, was there a point where she didn't become your mother anymore did you did you see her as did, was there a point where you thought right I've lost her she's gone or I don't really I don't know how that works I think uh, it's a very gradual process and, again, everybody's uh, experience of this illness is different. But with my mother, she would um, she would be fine and then would uh, some of her cognitive ability would slip and then she'd be on a plateau for a while and then suddenly there'd be quite a big dip. Um, and I think it was probably around six years before she passed away that... Really, I think my mother, uh, a lot of her mannerisms seemed to change quite dramatically and she seemed to be echoing a lot of uh, uh, mannerisms from her childhood, in fact. Um, so she'd be calling a dog in when we didn't have a dog, mm -hmm. um, but she did have a dog when she was very little. Um, so there was... A sort the of, brain reacting in a different way. Yeah, yeah. The, the memory, the memory changing quite dramatically. Um, and I think it's it's not only your sense of your mother's uh, your mother slipping away, but it's also a sense that their memory of you goes, yeah. Um, yeah. which which has an impact on your own sense of who you are. Um, and I think the way that we dealt with that as a family was to move from um, expecting something from my mother and actually just thinking we're just going to show up to make sure she's okay mm -hmm. and to, we sort of lowered our expectations and that is my experience throughout that whole journey mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. was that every step away, along the way you have to go okay we're now just going into the care home just to give my mother 30 seconds of dancing to a record on her feet and smiling and then the process of adjusting to that and then feeling very close it's because the the gap then between that moment and my mother passing away was quite short and I uh, the final thing of my mum passing away and my daughter and I sitting side by side in the hospital corridor sort of being able to talk about yeah. it. And I guess at that point as well, as we've talked about women in midlife, you are going through something emotional and anxious and physical all at the same time. Yeah. So it's quite a lot to take on yeah. when you yourself, might, might your estrogen level's very low, yeah. you might not, may or may not be on the right HRT. So you have to take care of yourself, don't you? I think that's the key, isn't it? You've got to be as healthy as you can to deal with this. Yeah, and you have to give yourself permission which sounds a terrible thing to say but you really do have to give yourself permission to take some time out did you feel guilty when you were doing something different um i 
Definitely. And I was in a very supportive environment, both at home and at work, really. I mean, I work in this this landscape, so my my staff are all very supportive. You know, everyone's saying, oh, perhaps you should take some time off. And I'm going, no, 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 I'm absolutely fine. You know, it's it's fine. I work in the hospital. It's all fine. (laughs) And then I I think it's really important that we... You know, my advice looking back is understanding what the grief process is yeah. and uh, and preparing yourself for that as well, because yeah. you, you, you just it hits you like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And, you know, you again, it's that allowing yourself to, yeah. you know, your instincts go, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, yeah. You know, and actually distractions. Yeah, distract myself. Distract yeah. Exactly. I was um, when my mum died, um, I was uh, three weeks away from having my twins, which was so you can imagine it was a really difficult time. And I just remember this really stupid thing I did where I, I bumped into somebody in mother care and she was having a baby and she's like, oh, how are you? How's everything? Like, yeah, yeah, it's all fine. Yeah, getting stuff for the baby. Um, well, my mum just died, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was just like, I can't yeah. believe I said, I went to her yeah. I cannot believe I said that, trying to pretend everything was fine, trying to pretend everything yeah. was normal. And yeah. uh, it's a long, hard process, isn't it, yeah. I think? And you need to allow yourself time. You do. And space and permission to, to grieve. Yeah, you yeah. do. And I think it's different for everyone again Mm. but then over a period of time you get used to not having your your mother there I had a very close relationship with my mother many many years ago so I didn't have somebody to call up and talk nonsense with or whatever Mm. you know what I mean whereas my friend had had that relationship with her mum right up until the moment she died and it was absolutely devastating mm. for her right mm. afterwards. Does it make you cherish your relationship with your own children? Well, it does, yeah, definitely. I, I sort of look at her now and I just think, oh, you're going to be going through what I went through with yes. my mother, with yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, the whole generational thing is so is so complicated and so different. Mm. Um, I, I think humour is terribly important um, and... Certainly in my work, what I can see is that the older generation have a really um, very strong impulse to resist being helped or to... Yes, yes. You know, there's a yes. there's a, um, a, a resistance against charity, against feeling that they might need support in any way whatsoever. Yes, I think my dad, in his recent visit to hospital, wandered off to get a cup of tea because he didn't want nearly having major heart surgery, didn't want to ask anyone and put anyone mm. to any trouble mm. and then obviously mm. got lost in the hospital and it's a kind of APB out for where was he, what was he doing? You know, so they don't really don't want to be helped thing, that there? generation. There's a pride yeah. thing. So finally, Jane, if um, if somebody if out there is just really feeling overwhelmed by this kind of situation, where can they get help? So I would contact their local Age UK and they will be able to signpost them on to what um, support groups there would be in their area or they may be able to suggest forums for... I mean, I'll give you an example. The other day somebody sent me a leaflet for... This is going to, this is going to freak you out. Um, something called the Deaf Cafe. Oh, yes, I think I've heard yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and that... That they can be run by different groups. Um, in my area, a lot of them are run in churches. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just a safe place to go along 
and, and talk to about. and to talk That's and to freak out and mm, mm. and also to do. What have the, you called it? The death cafe. The death cafe. There's got to be I love that. language around. Oh, that. oh I love it. The death cafe. Yeah. Kind of the forever. Cafe. <laughs> the infinity cafe. <laughs> we are all going to die. Yeah. I know. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's like true. even saying I it, I kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having another hot flush. So this is the part of the podcast where we normally talk about teenagers and parenting. This week, we're going to change tack and we're going to talk about another member of our family, our dogs, who are very helpful with teenagers <laughs> and parenting. There's a lot of health benefits, aren't there, Oh, Trish, gosh. I a mean, I, I got a dog two and a half years ago and first time I've ever had a dog. And it, we did have the, can we get a dog, you know, from mm. the children from about the age of about six. And we finally got one when we felt that... They were old enough to we could leave them on the, at home on their own for an afternoon. That you know, so you're not worrying about who's looking after the dog if you've got to go out. And um, all the chat about oh, we'll look after it, we'll pick up no. the poo. Not a chance. No, don't but it touch doesn't poo. matter because <laughs> Neil and I are obsessed with the dog now, yes, and we love are. her <laughs> so much. And Neil was particularly resistant, and he is knit. I call her his lady love. Bridie oh. is his lady love now because he's so obsessed with her. He's infatuated with her. She is just, I mean, we'll talk about the benefits of dog. You mentioned health benefits, but I really do feel that I just smile when I see her. And the kids said that as well, that when they come in in the afternoon and she's there a and waggy tail, a big smile on her face. Boost to your hormone oh, levels, really isn't it? it really is, yeah. A lot of the um, experts in clinical care that I talk to who deal with teenage, really troubled teenagers advocate the use of dogs in therapy mm -hmm. i mean they are obviously used in in many ways in therapy anyway but it, they they de-stress you so um relaxes you on the production of cortisol um they boost the oxytocin they get you outside that's the i mean yeah. our dog pixel the welsh terrier little menace that she is because she chews everything doesn't come when she's called and barks at everybody but she is a great leveler when we have to go for a walk so that thing with teenagers where you should always talk to them side by side not face to face mm -hmm. or it feels confrontational take the dog out then tackle your big problem we also use her for um resolving arguments mm -hmm. so my eldest and i might have a giant tiff hoo-ha noisy bit of shouting and then i'll think actually what my eldest needs now is someone to cuddle her, but I'm still a bit cross and angry. <laughs> so sending pixels. Giving off mm. a vibe. I should just So I just open her door and throw the dog Aww. onto her bed. Yeah. And I, I can see them in there cuddling. For me and Neil, it's been amazing because obviously the kids are that age where they don't want to do stuff with us anymore and we love going for walks and things. You take and so we to the take, pub, don't you? We take, we take her for walks, we take she her to the pub. So last Saturday we went to the pub because the 16-year-olds were having a little party at home for the birthday. And um, I can, honestly, if you want to pull a nice young chap... Always. It's my goal in life. It's on my bucket list. go to a pub with a black Labrador because they oh, all grew up Labrador. with them and they just come over. And honestly, I say this to any sort of young 30-somethings I know who are sort of looking for guys. I'm like, just borrow Bridie and take, take her down the Alma and you will be inundated with... Honestly, they just can't resist. Dating they advice. Canine advice. They are so useful. We talk about dogs being useful, but they, they, can, they can do that as well. Yes, you should all write in and tell us your dog stories, mm. how they've saved your family because I remember we also had a huge argument all of us once on a Sunday and I think it probably would have 
tipped into Monday morning if if the dog hadn't chosen at that point to eat something particularly disgusting <laughs> under the table and vomit it up <laughs> in the middle of my white rug upstairs <laughs> as well. So that brought us all together. Oh. So we'd love to hear your dog stories. Um, everybody's dog stories are brilliant. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So we're at the part of the podcast where we talk about what's nostalgic for us. We're nostalgia noodling, what's changed our lives and what we're trying out. Tris, Trish, Tris, Tris, is he here as well? <laughs> Trish. Yes. What are you looking back on and filled with nostalgia this oh, week? Well, I've got a few little things. So um, something that I'm really loving, I've mentioned before that I'm uh, I'm learning how to sail. <laughs> and this week's lesson, we had to learn about tie clouds up the sailors and meet them away from her. No. <laughs> and Empty we had the to learn seas. About clouds and meteorology. And it prompted me to look up on Instagram um, an account called the Cloud Appreciation Society. Oh, too much time oh, on your hands. Oh, my God, no. Honestly, I mean, if you want to kind of love nature and feel, you should oh. see these clouds. It's just stunning. And I'd just say... What do kind they of, do? Well, they're just all these beautiful shapes, all of these in these stunning locations, and you learn about clouds. And How uh, does it help you sail? Well, <laughs> because of the weather, things like wind, oh, I see. rain, yeah. you know, that kind of yeah. stuff like yeah. that. So the you know, the you can blow. read the skies. Well, not just yet, but I'm trying to learn. So if yeah. I go outside, I can say, Trish, read the skies yes, with me. and I can tell you if it's an occluded front or not, as the case may we be. We can't talk about no. my occluded front on <laughs> podcasts. Thanks very much. And then what I've been trying is, uh, I'm just going to do another one of my audiobooks because you know I love an audiobook. And at the moment, I'm listening to um, Kate Atkinson's latest one in the Jackson oh, Brody. Good, oh my she? God, I just love her. She 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 manages to make, I'm not really big into detective books, to be honest with you, but I love Jackson Brody, um, and it, this one's called Big Sky. It's been out for a while, but you've got the lovely Jason Isaacs who ha, who plays him in the TV show, <laughs> narrating it. So that's a big bonus. But I love the fact Hot. it's got it's got Labradors in there, it's got oh. teenagers in there, it's got all the kind of stuff, oh, and it's I'm very funny. And it's got a bit of a brooding, broken detective. Um, uh, and then my nostalgia noodling because it was the twins' birthday, we were t- we were t- threatening to give them birthday bumps, and they didn't know what birthday bumps were. What? And- 
What? What's wrong with them? Well, when we grew up, Jen said a rubbish. They don't I know any know, good stuff. But we just stopped getting. I think it must be health and safety. But you know, you used to grab the child Feet. at either end and throw them up in the air. <laughs> yeah, bumps for the number of times of the birthday. Well, they don't do that anymore. What do they do? They do birthday beats where they get punched oh, in the I don't arm. Like that. I think the the bumps might be a little. Bring bit, back so. the bumps. Bring we back the bumps. Get, we should get a bumper sticker. Yeah, bring yeah, back the bumps. What, what about you, there? Lorraine? Well, um, on the nostalgia front, I was cleaning the kitchen drawer and found some baby teeth oh in a God, pot. Oh, God, in the kitchen I drawer. I know, a little bit macabre. But as it turns out, everybody keeps their baby teeth. Mm. Um, I mean, I've got lock of hair. I've got hair. I've got first toy. Oh. Actually. I know a little Yeah, Teddy toy. that we yeah. put in the, the newborn's little Moses basket. But I don't... I'm just looking at the teeth. But then... So what is the etiquette? Because I was going to throw them away and then, but I couldn't bring myself to mm. throw them away. I Would you know. throw away? Bury them. <laughs> Bury them. Bury them. Necklace. Throw them away. <laughs> Earrings. Matching necklace. Earrings. I don't know. I don't know. No, anyway, so I don't, I'm, they're just sat there. I don't know what to do with them. Um, can I tell you what's changed my life Please. this week? Which is a bit nostalgia noodling as well, actually. Kalanetics. Oh, gosh. Do you remember that? I do. I had a video. So, 1984, they mm. uh, look 10 years younger in 10 hours. It's a sort of form of gymnastics, Pilates, It's a bit like ballet. Pilates, I think. Yeah, yeah, I went to a class, a Kalanetics class, mm. just drawn by the fact it was 1984, possibly one of the happiest years of my life. Mm. Um, and actually, it's really good for you because it's a bit more sweaty than yoga and things. And I, the next day, I couldn't walk down the stairs and I thought, well, it must oh, be working. Yeah. Must Great. be working. Um, and the other, th I'm going to mention a book this week, which I'm trying is the, uh, which I think will change my life, and it's a book by Miranda Sawyer, and uh, I've just interviewed her for a uh, festival that we were at. We were talking about this, and the book is called Out of Time, and it's basically about what happens when you hit forty, um, which is a lot of what we're talking about, and it tackles the bit. You're not melancholy. I am quite melancholy, mm. so it tackles the death maths. Um, which is when you start to think about how many summers, oh, yeah. how many yeah. Christmases, all the kind of rites of passage moments that are beginning to disappear. And then you think, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to mark these? Time is going so fast. But it's actually very good on bringing you back and saying, so enjoy the moment, be in mm. the moment, love the moment, don't think about it. So um, Out of Time by Miranda Sawyer is, I would advise, find that. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards for Midlife. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really enjoy all your uh, reviews that you've been posting, so please do rate and review it. And uh, I'm just going to read out one here because it's so nice. Um, it says, uh, just a quick message to say that I am loving your podcast. After listening to you on Chris Evans, I subscribed and have now listened to them all. They are so enjoyable, funny and full of great advice. I like the two-word review. <laughs> Ridiculous Twaddle. <laughs> yes, we so like that one. Really, big shout out to whoever wrote Ridiculous Twaddle. Do you think it's one of my teenagers? It could be. It yeah. could be. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.